Welcome everyone, this is Russ Garto, Chronicles of the End Times. So good to be with you today as we continue to look at Revelation chapter 13 and look into 14 a little bit today and talk about the mark of the beast and the pseudo-church and the deception of the false prophet. Let's begin with verse 11, chapter 13. And some of this we've covered a little bit, but I want to go over a few things that I think are very important for us to understand. John writes, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and all its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of men. And because of these signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. And he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the beast so they could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image be killed. And he forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast and the number of his name. Well, let's begin with the beast out of the earth. This we all know and have heard so many uh, sermons and teachings on is the false prophet. This is basically the promo man for the Antichrist. And we see in the description that he had horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. And I think this is a little self-explanatory when you start thinking about it. And I'm sure you have, those of you who have read this scripture many times. He had the look of religion. He had the look of the lamb of God. He appeared to have a form of religion. And remember, the church of Laodicea, they thought they were okay. He says, but you're neither hot nor cold. And he tells them that they're blind and pitiful and naked. And he tells them to buy the righteousness that they need. Go and get what they need. And that's the righteousness from Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. So he was talking to a church that had completely backslidden. In a time reference we talked about before, this is a prophetic utterance of the time that we live in as well. We live in the era of the church of Laodicea. And so this false prophet has the look, and he's kind of wrapped in religion. And this will be a conglomerate of many things, as we talked about before with the harlot church. This will be a mix of many religions. You know, we used to call it Baha'i, the Baha'i religion, uh, years ago, where it would be, they'd have these temples, and you could walk into the temples, and it'd be uh, a smorgasbord, a plethora, as it were, of gods that you could worship. So you could pick out whatever god you were comfortable with, and all paths lead to heaven or lead to this eternal bliss, which we know is incorrect. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You come through me. There is no other way to go. This is the reason why people want to reject it. They say, well, that can't be right. You know, it can't be just one way, but there is. There's just one God, God Almighty, the Creator, in one way. In. And so this false prophet has the look of religion, and he's wrapped in it, but yet he speaks like a dragon. He speaks like Satan. He leads the people astray. 
And we know that signs and wonders are great. I truly believe in them. I enjoy the movement of the Spirit of God. Uh, I've led worship for many years. I've seen people healed, and I've seen just wonderful divine things happen. But if all we think about is signs and wonders, and if that's what we're following, then we could easily be deceived because the enemy is, is going to be out there. You know, God's going to allow him to test people. And uh, so we have to be aware. We have to fully be immersed in the Word of God to be able to discern it, right? Now, Paul tells Timothy, you know, be fully equipped so you be a workman that won't be ashamed. You know, when you go on a job, I used to be in construction for many years, and you go on a job, and if, you, if I just walked in the job with no tools and just kind of walked around, people say, what are you doing? I'd be a workman that would be ashamed. You know, I wouldn't be equipped, you know. Uh, this is what the Bible's saying. We need to be equipped. We need to have the tools in order to uh, not just defend our faith, but defend our hearts as well from the fiery darts of the enemy and the doubts that come in. So we see this false prophet rises up. He gets the nations all wrapped up in his signs and his wonders. We see that the Antichrist has already been shot or stabbed, and he dies, and he comes back again, and this fatal wound has been healed. And we know from the past study that all the world is already in wonder of him. They're in awe of him. Now, it's interesting to look in the Old Testament. We look in Deuteronomy chapter 13, and it's clear. It says, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us go, follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Wow, that's an interesting piece of scripture in light of Revelation chapter 13 and 14. So where does the enemy want to put this mark that he has? Well, he wants to put it on the forehead or on the right hand. And like we talked about before, he's constantly mocking or trying to duplicate what God does. He imitates it. It's a really a mock of God. It's just a way of sticking it to him, you know, because the Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he tells them that he wants them to tie the symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. He even goes on to tell them, write them on your door frames of your houses and of your gates. So he's saying the symbols, the word of God, these things I've told you, wear them around your, your forehead or wear them, tie them to your wrists. The devil is not creative. You know, I don't care what other teachings you may have heard. God is the creator. The devil is the perverter. He takes things and he perverts things that already are. And this is what he does here. Takes God's word and he begins to pervert it. And then he goes on to say, okay, now you're going to wear my mark instead of God's mark, basically is what he's saying. And you're going to wear it on your forehead, and you're going to wear it on your right hand. So now they can't buy or sell. If you get this mark, as I'm sure you've heard many times, you can't buy or sell. So you can only imagine the where we are today in this digital world, right? We've, we've seen 
cash slowly disappearing as far as our usage. We start with credit cards and we went to smart cards and now it's on our phones. And the new technology is you can just give a glance and you can look and by eye recognition, you know, you can buy things. And so it's just the technology is there. Uh, we just don't know in what form it's going to end up being. In Europe for years, they use the chip that we hear so much about. They use it to locate and watch over uh, their herds of sheep and cattle for ownership and for location. And so we're only a breath away from the technology that it's going to take to do this. And I think we can all agree uh, that we're headed in that direction uh, very quickly. There's a warning from God. He's always constantly warning. So we're going to jump into uh, chapter 14 and just go down uh, to verse 9 for now because it uh, relates to what we're talking about today. Verse 9, it says, The third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's wrath, which has been poured out in full strength into the cup of his wrath. Very, very dangerous situation for those on the earth. So this angel, however that happens, is going to be declaring. It could come through the prophets as well, through people that are preaching in those days, uh, in really in a situation where they could lose their lives and millions will lose their lives, as we found in Revelation chapter 7, where John looked out and he said, who are all these? The angel said, these are those who have come through the great tribulation. And, and John said they were so many of them, he couldn't even, couldn't begin to number them or like to see. And so we know there's going to be a great amount of persecution and a great amount of people are going to be killed because they won't worship the beast and they will not take the mark. It's not just an accidental thing. Well, geez, you know, I thought this was just the new economy. I took this mark. No, it's going to be quite clear. The Bible talks about worship several times in chapter 13 and chapter 14. So it's not a matter of, you know, I can't buy food for my family, so I took this mark. No, it's, it's about the admiration and the worship that's going to go on to the beast, as we read about. The world is wowed. They just can't get enough of this guy. They're drawn in by their own lusts. In chapter 3 of Second Timothy, we see it's spelled out pretty clearly. Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of God, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. So once again, we see this form of godliness. What is it? It's not a godliness. It's not a holiness. We see Paul calls it unholy, ungrateful, slanderous. So he's not saying that this is a good thing, that they have some kind of form of godliness, but it's fake. It's an imposter. It's a false godliness. So he says, have nothing to do with them. He goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 3, that the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, 
Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say that what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This all wraps together with what we're seeing here in the last days. You know, we can say, well, that's gone on in every generation. Well, it's true. Some of that has definitely gone on in every generation. But now it's widespread. This is a widespread cancer. This is not just uh, in one locale. This is uh, a disease that is spread through society. And the false prophet will use this, and he will use this as his foundation. And then those who want to do what they want to do, as the scripture says, will be taught. They'll just surround themselves with all the teachers. And there will be many of them, the scripture says, not just one or two. There's going to be literally thousands. Who knows how many of these teachers who are just teaching what the people want to hear. And that makes them popular. And it deludes the gospel. It makes it worthless. There's no value left in it. And so I say this again, going over those things again, because it leads to the worship of the beast. They're enamored. They have sucked in the hook. They're hook, line, and sinker. They're all about it. And so the Antichrist then says, you know, okay, I'm going to take care of all you people. Just take this mark, and you won't have to worry about anything. And it's the same theme he spells out to Israel. After this great war that's coming with the Russian and Arab world against Jerusalem, against Israel, and Israel miraculously wins this war like they have in the past, the Antichrist will rise up. He'll come in and he'll say, look, this was awful that would happen to you. Sign this seven-year deal with me. This will never happen to you again as long as I'm here. Isaiah calls it the covenant with death. Israel signs this covenant with the Antichrist. The world basically signs a covenant with the Antichrist. And it says all the nations, every nation is sucked in in all peoples. The scripture is clear that he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. And so this is a strong deception. It's a deception that Paul talks about in Ephesians. It's a powerful deception. Let's take a quick look at that in Ephesians chapter 4. Starting with verse 18, it says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Once we get to a place where we want to accept this deception, that is the awful place. That's a terrible place to be because we crave the deception. We want it. We don't want to believe the truth. The truth is a drag. The truth is in the way. The truth makes us feel uncomfortable. So we begin to drift away from the truth. Instead of looking at ourselves in the mirror and correcting the problem, we say we're going to do burying it. We need it to be smoothed over with some lies with some type of religion, some kind of faith that I can deal with, that I can put up with, that I can tolerate. And so this is what we're moving towards in the world, not just this nation, but the whole world is moving away from the biblical truths because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Why is this dangerous? Well, I mean, besides the obvious, 
It's dangerous because it's the very foundation at which the Antichrist and the false prophet shall build their kingdom. And so next time, we will look at the 144,000 and discuss them and continue in our study of the book of Revelation. If you haven't had a chance, I pray that you would look into Hidden Thrones, the new series of mine on Amazon. And I'm currently working on book five, The Cup of Iniquity. I believe they'd be a blessing to you. And leave a review and let me know what you think. This is Russ Galso of Chronicles of the End Times. God bless. Keep looking up. The King is coming.